0: time available games based on device location your home for every unlv rebel football game is espn las vegas 1100 a.m and 100.9 fm kwwn las vegas
1: mr remix
0: wow sorry um i got
1: you thank you sorry sorry very very optimistic and because of team that we had last year and because of what we went through, um, the way that we've handled it moving forward, I think we're in a better position this year than we we were last year. And I know some guys have gone and some guys have, have left and went to other teams, but that's the nature of this business. Doesn't matter if you
2: have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass.
1: Gino's been the guy in the lead position the whole time. And I protected that thought with, uh, you know, throughout. And, and he's done a really nice job. He's been very consistent. Um, so we'll just see what happens. And, and you know, there's two more weeks of practice too after this. So there's where the timeline. I had a set
0: thought on the I mean, what we would do with the timeline, but that got disrupted. And so um, we're, you know, we're going to use all the time we need. I don't know how many men are out there now that have had a massage that perhaps occasionally there was a happy end all right maybe there's nobody in your listening audience that that ever happened to i do want to point out if it has happened it's not a crime
1: just crushed my dreams boom sadness that's the one i'll make this point slightly better the pga tour does not care about where the money's coming from in the live tour the pga tour cares because they're view it as a real threat They think that the Live Tour is a legitimate threat. That's
3: absolutely true. I don't know if this is overreacting, but the minute this happened, they got worried that all their stars
1: were leaving. Because they've let other players play on other tours and not banned them because they didn't view those as As a legitimate threat to take over golf. They don't care where the money's coming from, from the Live Tour. They're being hypocritical and using that as their sort of facade. They only care because they are like, oh we could be out of business if the live tour actually takes everybody because they're paying a ridiculous amount of money. Make that point a little bit better. All right. On the Raiders here and the remix. First off, I do want to start with Darren Waller on the remix. (laughs) Josh McDaniels did actually say, I think that's the most he's ever said about Darren Waller yesterday. Right? Yeah. And he wasn't overly, didn't say a whole lot, didn't say a whole lot, but um, he said that he sees Darren Waller every day. Darren Waller's in all at the every meeting. Does that, to you, 100% clear any chance that Darren Waller's holding in?
3: I don't think it's 100% because I've agreed with you uh, for a few weeks now that once he comes back for one day and leaves the next, um, I think it's a fair judgment that you can put both scenarios out there that he's holding in and or he's hurt. I'm going to stay with the side. I think he's hurt. But I don't think your contention should be laughed at because I think he's been out a really long time. He looked good the day he came back. That's the other thing. Like he wasn't like (laughs) limping off the field. He wasn't limping off the field or limping around. He was running routes. He was catching balls. He was doing what you'd expect Darren Waller to do. So to leave the next day. But again, let me ask you this,
1: though. If you're holding in, do you come out for one day? Right. I don't
3: know if that makes sense.
1: Right. I I can't figure out why the, hey, he was there for one day and then gone again and Presumably isn't going to be back anytime soon because Josh McDaniel said that he's not going to comment on if he's right. ready for week one, basically. If you were holding in, we've seen I don't this. I think you'd come out. Well, if you were holding in, you would potentially still attend meetings. You would potentially yes. still, you know, lift weights or whatever. You just wouldn't participate in team practice, right? And so he did. You could still be holding in and going to meetings. So Josh McDaniel saying, Hey, I see him in all the meetings, to me, that does not Eliminate the idea that Waller is holding in what I think is happening here. I think the most likely scenario is that Darren Waller has an injury, right? He has or had a hamstring injury, but Darren Waller knows he doesn't have any guaranteed money, right? So he is not going to push himself to be at training camp or practice because he has no guaranteed money. And here would be my prediction. If today, or I guess they play a game tomorrow. If the Raiders immediately gave Darren Waller, if they said, hey, we've guaranteed your money for the rest of this season, $7 million, he's at the very next Mm -hmm. practice. He's on the field for the very next practice. I think that I think part of this is Darren Waller does have an injury, but he's not going to push himself back because if Darren Waller went out there and was injured for the rest of the season, he has no guaranteed money now. He's got another year left on his deal. He's good enough. The Raiders would probably keep him around, but if Darren Waller got hurt, the Raiders could get rid of him, and Darren Waller would not have another contract. He would not have any more money owed to him in the NFL. So if I'm Waller, I'm not pushing myself for a team that has not guaranteed me.
3: Yeah, money. it's a good point, and I also think the at the end of the day, that's what they're going to do with him. Yeah, I think they're going to guarantee of the money. Have
1: to. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, but
3: like. Guaranteeing him the money for this year is like the least seven million dollars, which what continues to put him as the sixteenth most paid tight end in the league. When he's gonna maybe mean the difference in you going to the playoffs or not? I mean, he's that good.
1: It doesn't change your cap number this year. Like that's just. Are you afraid this guy's going to get hurt and you cut him? Is all that really means? And I just again, I don't think you actually cut. If if Darren Waller tore his ACL today. I don't think you're cutting him because you were left on his deal. Yeah, because you could bring him back the next season at again the sixteenth highest paid titan in the league. So I I yeah, the guaranteeing the money just makes too much sense. And honestly, I'm a little surprised they haven't done that yet either. So, but that I think is the most likely scenario is that there is a there is an injury, but Darren Waller, like he could probably be practicing right now, but he's sitting there saying, I don't have any guaranteed money, so I'm not pushing myself. Right until there's actual games to be played or they guarantee my money. Um, so yeah, that's what I think is. I think that's the most likely situation that's happening or playing out with Darren Waller at the moment. Um, something Devonte Adams said yesterday, he wants to be in the hall of fame, right? That's a very clear goal of his. Uh, there are 29 wide receivers in the hall of fame. And Adams said, I want to be in the hall. There's only 29 at my position and in that i've got that on my alarm clock when i wake up so does he have the number 29 i guess that's what like, that means written in sharpie on his alarm clock
3: i okay i i thought that he like programmed his phone to where when his alarm went <laughs> off it said 29 29 <laughs> i didn't know what he meant by that
1: that okay maybe so okay there's maybe a couple that means there, there's a couple things he could like have it written on a clock like a piece of paper or a Sharpie or whatever. Does maybe, he still have a clock? Put, well, that was that was going to be my other question. Does he have a physical alarm clock on the side there's of his bed? There's something wrong with like he just pushing use the top phone? of
3: it to put it off. I, I would think he uses his phone like the rest of us.
1: Or like you said, maybe there's a sound that just says 29 or something like that. Or did he over-exaggerate a little bit, and this just means his alarm goes off at 529 a.m. or f- whatever time he wakes up, but he has it to 29 instead of 30 and that's like his flight reminder. Oh, 29. I didn't think of that, but that makes more sense. That makes the most sense. But he he the way he said it was, I've got that on my alarm clock when I wake up, which makes you I mean, think, I'm hoping he
3: has one of those alarm clocks where the buttons like, go up with the time. It, every time there's a minute, it's got it's well, I'm hoping go the up.
1: bells are on the top and it literally yes. rings <laughs> the bells rather than be digital and that's his alarm clock.
3: Yeah, okay, so I was about to ask,
2: is it weird to have an alarm clock? Because
3: I don't know anyone with a clock.
1: <laughs> I I have two, and they both have you? the do rumble you, feature. Do you want me to give my honest response to you saying you have two alarm clocks? Do you want to know why I have two I alarms? Mean, I mean, I know why you have two alarm clocks. You have been late to the show before, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but don't... are they real clocks? Yes,
2: they're real clocks, and they when my alarm and your goes. little up.
3: hand you do in terms of uh, setting it.
2: Well, it's digital. No, no but it's, yeah. it's digital. It, okay, it, but it has a rumble feature. Like it shakes the entire bed. <laughs> Jared needs multiple senses to be uh, disturbed, <laughs> if, so that he can if be. If it aw- were possible, awoken. I would set like a cup of water above me. <laughs> <laughs> so that when the alarm
1: went off, when the bed just... rumbled, it would like fall on your yeah. face. If, Jared, if we find out that Devonte Adams has a history of like not waking up, then yes, I'd be like, OK, perfectly reasonable for him to have multiple alarm clocks like you. But as of now, we don't know that. I'm assuming he gets up when his phone alarm goes off and he doesn't need an actual alarm clock to go off that rumbles his bed to wake him up.
2: Yeah, yeah. I also have set the one on my phone, and I have to do math problems in order to make it stop.
1: And <laughs> that used to happen during the show. Yeah, his alarm would go would off go during up. the show, and he'd be like, "Ah, oh, I got to do long division to make it shut up."
3: I have no chance of ever waking up to the alarm. You're up before it. Oh, every every day. You? When does that happen?
2: Does that happen at some point? Because uh, I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping real soon. I
3: don't. I don't. I think we're so conditioned on the show. It's happened
1: to me before. That I just like when I was a teenager. I
3: very rarely get to the alarm.
1: You? Yeah. Yeah. Especially the only time I don't is like in the winter when it does the sun doesn't come up. Okay. But like if it's in the summer and my the sun waking before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm up before my alarm. I just want to lay in bed all day. (laughs) Doesn't mean I get out of bed. I'm just you know, but I'm awake before my alarm goes off most of the time. Sometimes I'll fall back asleep, but I will wake up before my alarm pretty much every morning. Nope. bed needs to be shook. shook. <laughs> every once in a while, my hetero life partner will have to run in with a glass of water and throw it on me. That's good. No, no, you need that. Run in there. Throw it on you. I had one of my roommates in college would not wake up when his phone alarm would go off. And I would have to, like, physically wake him up to get him to shut the damn thing off. And then he'd go back to sleep. But yeah. Would not get up. Or he would, like, wake up, realize it was going off, and just fall back asleep before he turned it off. Disaster.
2: Yeah. Uh, I remember this is completely off-topic of the Raiders now, but I remember apparently I convinced my dad one time in my sleepiness that, uh, yeah, the, it was a teacher day, so I didn't need to go into school. <laughs> so you, you're a sleep liar. Apparently. Is what you're saying. Apparently, I value, I value sleep. To the point where I can have a full conversation. Subconsciously make up a lie. So that I can keep sleeping. <laughs> Pretty good. It's impressive. Yeah, looks good.
1: Uh, did you see the video of Bill Belichick with the UFC Oh, absolutely. Belt? With Dana White putting it on him. So he goes to the UFC yeah. complex. Complex, yeah. They put the belt on him. He celebrates like he won something with yeah. that belt on him. Puts his arms in the air like Rocky. Are he and Dana White friends? Absolutely. I mean, Dana White literally just Dana said White. that he tried to get Tom Brady away from the Patriots to the Raiders. And the next, like, two days yeah. later, Belichick is, hey, Dana, where's that championship? I wonder if out?
3: Belichick, because Brady was a free agent, already knew he was gone.
1: I guess. So he, he doesn't, said, he doesn't hold any grudges. Back. Did,
3: Belichick's like, did you see the Tennessee game? Can't have this guy around anymore. <laughs> yeah, did I've you remember see, the Miami, to, see the Miami game to end the season? He wanted to guy. keep
1: Garoppolo. Exactly. Uh <laughs> Yeah, White's a huge Patriots guy. Man. Huge Patriots fan. Dana White's a huge everybody guy until you say something bad about him. Yeah. Oh, he's a little late. Oh, he's, he's late. late. The Las Vegas Review Journal. Okay. Yeah, just don't, don't, don't do not don't anything like that. Otherwise, he's a huge fan because if you were a huge Patriots fan, why on earth would you broker a deal for Tom Brady to go to the Raiders?
0: Cocaine isn't cheap. <laughs>
1: Is that the answer? <laughs> and
3: le- again, unless Brady said I'm not going back there no matter what and he's like, "Oh, if you're not going back there, I own a suite at Allegiant Stadium." I know this is so a Davis guy. own yeah. a suite. Now, nah, we got to watch out for Gruden. We got to convince John Gruden this is a good this is a good deal.
1: I uh what do you think, man? When did did anybody ask Bill Belichick what he thought of UFC's complex? Cuz he thought the Raiders oh, facility was the man. greatest thing he's ever seen. And that UFC complex, I've never been there, but it's apparently Beautiful. really like yeah. spectacular. D- Bill Belichick's gonna go back to New England and be like, What the hell are yeah. we doing? Hey crafty. <laughs> let me show you some pictures of where we were. Yeah. Use some of that Gillette money. <laughs> when they when do they play here? Is that in November or December? Whenever that yeah, it's is. late in the season. He'll, he is, bring, he'll bring Kraft I was over gonna say, to the facility. He's coming two days early with yes. Robert with, Kraft. we like, walk through on, that facility. we got
2: some tours to take.
3: <laughs> Come
1: look at these first things. At, first at the uh, Raiders <laughs> facility, and then on the way back on the bus, they're going to go on the 215. Well, uh, they're building that Aces facility right next to the Raiders. Oh. One. Is that going to be done by the time they play here? Because Belichick's. The balls are up. He's going to be blown away by that, too. How the balls are up. How mad would he be that he's like, look at this WNBA! <laughs> Facility.
2: The court is right next to a water fountain.
1: <laughs> this is incredible. They can get taped
2: up and walk right on the court. Does this also make you kind of think that the Patriots practice has the hose connected to the pipe yes, with the little? Yes, and they go over and like put the hose <laughs> yeah. on and bend down and like take their
1: drinks. They Tastes a, a little metallic, but you know, not bad. The bathroom is just a giant trough. <laughs> They don't yeah. have urinals or, or toilets. It's just a trough you got to pee into. Yeah, I, that's what I think they practice in now. We need more ice. Right? I don't I'm, think you're out of
3: crazy to say that Kraft will see the Raiders facility.
1: If you're Belichick, I
3: mean, I don't think, that's, I don't
1: think it, that's crazy. Yeah, the way Belichick's talked about it, he's going to be hell. He's not even going to wait till game week. He's going to fly him out next week. he flew. He got him on a flight yesterday. Be like, get get out here now. We're playing a game. You don't need to watch that, but you need to see these damn facilities because that's what's important. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs.
0: Bischoff's Briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math.
2: Bischoff's Briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating Globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's Briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's Briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize
3: time itself.
1: UNLV football, the season is almost here. It's Thursday. They play on Saturday against Idaho State. You can hear that game right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I want to take a season-long look, though, at UNLV because Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings uh, are out before the start of the season, and UNLV comes in ranked 117th in SP Plus. Uh, SP Plus is basically an analytical ranking. I like to consider it the Ken Palm of college football. Uh, So 117 makes UNLV the 10th best team in the Mountain West. New Mexico and Hawaii are the two teams that are worse then UNLV and Nevada is 116. So just one spot ahead of UNLV. Not very far off there for UNLV. If you go through UNLV's schedule, here are the SP plus ranks of all the teams they're, they'll play. So you can compare it to that 117. Idaho State is not division one. So they're not ranked in SP plus. That's their first game of the year. Cal is 78. North Texas is 88. Utah State is 77. New Mexico, 125. San Jose State, 95. Air Force, 53. Notre Dame, 7. San Diego State, 59th. Fresno State, 45th. Hawaii, 123. And Nevada, 116 to end the season. So, a couple things. First off, UNLV being ranked 117 in SP. That's about where UNLV has been ranked in SP every year for forever they're always in that sort of one teens range there hasn't been improvement in the marcus arroyo era from the tony sanchez era and sp plus projects there won't be much improvement after this season right there is and i think there's a legitimate chance if at the end of the year UNLV's 117 and SP plus that means they probably win three games or something like that this year Uh, that Arroyo might be, we might be talking about Marcus Arroyo getting fired at the end of the season if they're still 117. Now I think they're probably going to get to like four wins this year. I think that's a legitimate number. Idaho state, New Mexico, Hawaii uh, are all teams. UNLV is better than Nevada is basically the same. Those are the four worst teams on the schedule, right? You should get, three wins out of that. Maybe you get all four, but you might lose to one of them because not like UNLV is a consistent, good team. But if you go three and one against them, there are other beatable teams on the schedule. San Jose State, Utah State, North Texas, maybe even Cal. Those teams aren't good enough that they're just going to walk in and roll over UNLV even if they play poorly. If one of those teams plays poorly... UNLV can absolutely beat them. So you probably win one of those games, potentially two of those games, and that gets you to four wins or maybe more. And that's kind of like that's kind of the key every year for UNLV football that they never take advantage of. The middle and the bottom of the Mountain West are not any good. UNLV is going to play five teams this year that are ranked outside of the top eighty in SP Plus and Idaho State. Half of their schedule is against bad teams, and then Utah State and Cal are 77 and 78. That's eight of your 12 games that are against below-average football teams, right? That Air Force, Notre Dame, San Diego State, Fresno State stretch is brutal, right? And they probably won't win any of those four games, and they're all four in a row in the middle of the right. schedule. That's a brutal stretch. But outside of that, the other eight games on this schedule, there's no reason UNLV shouldn't win half of them. There's no reason UNLV shouldn't be competitive in, you know, all of them. They'll probably get blown out in one because it's football and stuff happens, but there's no reason that those eight, eight of the 12 games on their schedule, UNLV should be going in thinking, well, yeah, we can absolutely win this game. It's not going to take a miracle, right? When they play Notre Dame, it's going to take a miracle to win that game. Even when they play like San Diego State, right? A lot of things are going to have to go their way, but with the other eight games on the schedule, only a couple things really need to go their way and they should be able to win a lot of those games, and that's the other key that they failed in miserably last season. There's a really good chance they're going to play 12 games this year. There's a really good chance seven, eight, nine of those games are one-score games in the fourth quarter. There's a really good chance they have a lot of close games, or at least going into the fourth, it is a close game. Can they win those games? Because last year, that they was did what not. they didn't do. Last year they were horrific and lost a bunch of lost close games. Lost six by eight or less. Normally. That stat evens out. Right. Normally, hey, you go from, you know, oh and six in those games. Right. To three and three. Right? right. That's generally what the expectation is. If they played seven close games this year and they go four and three in them, that's gonna be obviously improvement. But in the win total, that's gonna be phenomenal for UNLV, right? I think last year, I think they were the second worst team in one score games. We made fun of Nebraska a lot because Every game Nebraska played, it was a one-score game, but they found a way to long. Long. It right. did not matter if they were playing Ohio State or the worst team in the Big Ten. It was a one-score game. It was a one-possession right. game in the fourth quarter. So, like, when you look at UNLV this year, the same as always, the middle and the bottom of the Mountain West are not good. It's not hard to envision. If UNLV has a good season, they can compete and beat a lot of the teams on their schedule. But at the same time, a lot of this is going to come down to one-score games, and can they win those? And I think there's two things that probably have to be proven to us for them to win a lot of those close games. Is their quarterback play any good? Has to be proven to us, right? I'm not that optimistic because Harrison Bailey didn't come in here and win the job outright. And the other thing is, can Marcus Arroyo coach in close games? Right? Because we talked about this a lot last year. There's a lot of things Marcus Arroyo has done that you can point back to and say, well, they lost a close game because right. He started the year with the wrong quarterback last year in Justin Rogers. If he starts just Doug Brumfield last year, they probably win their first game of the season. They don't lose in overtime. He they had I can't remember who were they playing. Was it San Antonio? I'm blanking. They had the game where they had the fight, They had the ball for the last seven minutes. <laughs> Texas, down by, San Antonio. I think that's who it was, but they were down one score, got the ball back with seven plus minutes to go. And the clock ran out on them. They didn't turn it over. They didn't run out of downs. The clock ran out when they had the ball with over seven minutes to go. It's like impossible to do. And then we've talked about the multiple like delay of games after kickoffs and stuff like that. Is the coach good enough to where they're not going to lose one possession games because of bad clock mismanagement? Wrong roster decisions, or you know, delay of games, penalties that you can point to the sideline and blame there. When we see that and the quarterback play kind of improve, then I think you've got a legitimate reason to say, "All right, they can win the close games, and they can win they can win games without them being close too, and get to four, five, maybe even six wins."
3: I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I was, I when we were going to do our when we were going to do our predictions, I was going to say five but the schedule is not so tough that you can't right. envision flirting with
1: six wins. Oh, it's if the if UNLV has a good season, they should go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Like there are enough bad teams on the schedule that if UNLV has a good season, there are more than six winnable games on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And so like that's not, it's not crazy to think UNLV can go to a bowl game this year. But it's going to rely on some things that we haven't actually seen, right? The quarterback play, the coaching, and the, and still the defense, right? We don't forget about that. They haven't been good defensively in forever, right? right. So, like, the defense. Again, it doesn't have to be great, because, and that's the whole key here. They don't have to have a legitimately good defense. They don't have to have a great quarterback. They just need, like, average defense. They just need average quarterback. They just need average coaching. And they win six games. Like, that's, that's all they need. And, hell, they probably only need two of those three things. Honestly, they, probably, they don't need everything to be average. Just have... An average defense and an average quarterback, and even if Arroyo makes some mistakes, that's still probably enough to go to yeah. a bowl game. So that's the thing. But you can say that just about every single year with UNLP football, because the Mountain West is never the middle and bottom of the Mountain West. has almost never been good, right? So you can say that almost every single year about this program, and they still almost every single right. year come up short and don't go to a bowl game. All right, coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show.
2: Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on
1: tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink.
2: It's Thirsty Thursday with Jr. Starkus. Who needs a drink?
3: Look at this kid's title: Director, of Business Development, Southern Graves Wine Spirits in Nevada. Extreme exologist here on Thursdays with us. Is that a new title, or did I miss something?
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 new, and it's. It's actually changed. It's still director of business development, but now I'm overseeing with a, a, a colleague of mine all the new accounts
3: oh, in
0: Vegas. So this is great because I'm going to be I'm going to be kind of your source for new cocktails and new cool places to you know dine, drink, and enjoy style. So uh, I'll be all the I'll have all the information for you.
1: As long as you're still our extreme mixologist, yes,
0: oh, one thousand yeah, percent. Don't worry about that. <laughs> when
1: do you have time to watch baseball? <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, Ben, I'll tell you what, I haven't had a lot of time to watch baseball. And uh, by the looks of the Red Sox record, I'm glad I have not had time to watch <laughs> baseball because I may be on suicide watch or something. You know, it's like it's crazy. These guys are awful.
1: Wait, you you missed. Did you see Fran Reyes, position player pitching for the Cubs?
0: No, I didn't. Okay. But, uh, you, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad he did.
1: No, no, you're going to love this. So Fran Reyes. uh The Cubs just got him, I think, off waivers from the uh, Indians or or the Guardians or something like that. He pitched the ninth when the Cubs were losing by 10. He hit Albert Pujols, first off, um, but he was throwing 89 and 90 miles an hour. He was not lollipopping in there 50, 60 mile an hour pitches. He was throwing fastballs. And so he hits Pujols. He then gets a double play and then a strikeout.
0: Yeah. see, I'm telling you, man. Like. (laughs) <laughs> so it's the way to go. Like if you, if they, it, 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 I'm telling you, like if if a team doesn't have an opportunity to have any tape on somebody, right? And the guy actually goes out there and attempts to do something, you know, if you if you if you see a guy throwing his warm pitches, he's coming at ninety as a as a professional hitter. Yeah, I mean, it's not the fastest that you have ever seen, but you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to actually gear up for this a little bit. And then you think to yourself, like, well, what else does he have? And you don't know, like, so. So you can does he, guard, I'm telling you.
3: he doesn't have anything else. <laughs> if he threw some curveball
0: up, like there. a backdoor slider. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. Like these, a lot of these guys that are coming in as position players, like you know, they all like they're they're not playing in the pros as a pitcher. But I guarantee you this: they all pitched when they were younger, and they may have not have done it a while, but they know how to do it, and they have a secondary pitch, and they, it's probably not the best one you've ever seen. Uh, but it's something to keep a batter off balance. All all these guys have it. Like JT can pitch; he'll never pitch in in, in college, um, and 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 God willing, the pros. He'll never ever. That's not his. That's not his thing. But if somebody said, "Here, here's a ball, go throw," he'd be like, "All right, I got three pitches I can throw."
3: Are you guys surprised position players get this many outs?
0: No. So. No, all right. I- the no,
3: no, I watched the Dodgers last night. They've they, um, they've gone position players like uh, both teams have
1: gone position players. Well, okay. I The, the then. Dodgers are blowing everybody out, and not everybody gets to experience the ten run victory. No, I'm just twice I'm just saying. Week.
3: Are you surprised they don't? So uh, Renfro hit a home run off from last night, but other than that, they, a lot of these position players who are throwing like forty five. Get
1: get guys out like with fly balls because so everyone's trying to hit it out. Last week the Astros beat the White Sox. They scored 21, 21 to five. They scored four in the ninth inning off of a position player. I have never seen a team give up like I saw the White Sox give up when their position player came in. Like, their fielders weren't moving to get the ball. <laughs> like, they like they weren't. Like, their ball would just roll yeah. away, and the Astros would not take an extra base. It was, Everything was a single, and the bases stayed loaded for, like, five straight hitters. And I believe Dusty Baker used a pinch hitter. I believe he told him to ground into a double play because he went up there on the first pitch, chopped it into the ground and they turned a double play to get out of the inning. Cause I think dusty Baker was embarrassed at how right. badly the white Sox were playing behind a position player. Okay. Because everybody was just hitting it as hard as they could. And then this one guy comes up and chops it straight into a <laughs> double play. I think he was told go hit infield practice for their shortstop. So we can <laughs> end this game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you do to hit it right to a guy. So.
1: Yeah, and, some, and
0: then don't run to first base.
1: It's the key here with position players pitching is that they've got to be excited to do it. <laughs> like Brett Phillips, who I think he might still be on the Rays, that guy would pitch anytime the Rays were being blown out. He loved it. He, he wanted thought to it do was it. the greatest thing. But whenever the White, yeah. I think they brought in Josh Harrison, guy looked like he was having the worst day of his life. Was like, I don't wanna be here. I don't want to do this, and that ruins it. If you got Fran Mill Reyes throwing ninety, also incredible.
3: Right. Last night yeah, I forget sure. who it was for the uh, Brewers, but his first six pitches to Justin Turner were like 42, 38. <laughs> and then he tried to groove one at like 76. And I think oh. Justin Turner like flied out and he's like, oh, he, he tricked him. He tricked him. He <laughs> could throw hard,
0: but he didn't want to do it to like the sixth pitch. Uh, yeah, and when, when you throw 35, 76 looks like 100. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Jay, are you in favor of the umpire expanding the zone when a position player is out there? Uh, no because the, no, the Fran mill Reyes his strikeout was a 90 mile an hour pitch that was like three or four inches uh, above the zone. It was not a strike, but the home plate umpire was giving it to him.
0: Yeah, so, so here's, here's why I mean it dep- here's why I don't like it at any level, frankly. like you know in the pros, I don't know how the, the contracts are built and there might be some something in a contract that has something to do with your on base percentage or your strikeouts or something like that. And if you have a ball that's thrown that's not a strike and you're called out on it, that could potentially hurt you. Uh, at younger levels, I feel the same way. Like if you're trying to execute a plan, you know, you uh, expanding the zone on a ball that you can't get to, um, it, it's, it's brutal. That's why, I like watching like the Little League World Series is torture for me. I like watching the kids play, <laughs> but the umpires are so bi- the zone is so big. That it's absolute torture for me to watch, and I I get I get more angry watching little league games than I do watching pros because uh, it's atrocious. Like these kids are like, you can't get to a ball that's a foot outside, and the umpires are calling it a strike. It's brutal. Yeah.
3: You haven't seen the Hawaii team, my friend.
0: Well, <laughs> Hawaii team hits everything out. they a the monster.
3: Uh, they just hit home runs. They don't care where the ball is pitched.
1: All right, we we went too long on this. What are you making for us today, Jr. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Press box transition. Okay, so. I am doing a cocktail. <laughs> I nailed it, right? I am doing a cocktail uh, with Grey Goose essences. I've used it before, um, but I wanted to do something with uh, a sparkling element, prosecco. I've kind of been on this kick for these refreshing, uh, these refreshing summertime style drinks because of the, the warm weather that we've been having. It's you know the humidity calls for these type of things. It's it's been a little more dry the last couple days, but. Um, anytime you have warm weather, having a nice, refreshing cocktail at some point during your weekend is always welcome. Uh, so I am using Grey Goose Essences Peach and Rosemary Vodka today. Um, drink is really easy to build. You're going to build almost the entire thing. In, you're going to build the entire thing in a uh, mixing tin. Um, and so your first ingredient in that mixing tin is going to be two ounces of the Grey Goose Essences Peach and Rosemary Vodka. Going to add a quarter ounce of palma, which is a pomegranate liqueur. Um, and the pomegranate liqueur will add a little flavor of pomegranate, but we're also using it because we want a little bit of that reddish color uh, that it, it, it's going to provide. Um, five fresh raspberries in there will also add to that to that color that we want. So we add five fresh raspberries, no muddling or anything like that is necessary for this drink. We're going to add an ounce and a half of fresh lemon sour, which is nothing more than three-quarter ounces of simple syrup and three-quarter ounces of lemon juice. Take all of those ingredients, and you're going to shake them together. Now, I'm going to shake them. With with like when you when you have the setting on your refrigerator, one is cubed, one is crushed. I use the crushed ice for this because I like this drink because it's going to be a shake and pour method that we've talked about before. I like having the um, the consistency of being able to crunch on the smaller uh, chips of ice. So you're gonna you know put the vodka, the palma pomegranate, the lemon sour, and the fresh raspberries in the mixing tin. Fill it to the top with that crushed ice and you're going to give this a shake. You don't want to shake too long because you don't want to over dilute the drink. Um, the smaller ice will dilute quicker than the larger ice will, but you need to shake the drink hard because you're not muddling the raspberries and you want to break them up. So fill it the top with ice, seal the shaker, give it a hard shake for like five seconds and then pour all of those ingredients. Or actually before you pour those ingredients, you're going to top the, the tin with, like a a Gambino Prosecco is what I use. So use a dry Prosecco. Uh, So I used about two to three ounces of Gambino Prosecco. Then I take all of those ingredients and I pour them directly into my glass. Um, I used a hurricane glass, uh, but you can use anything that like holds around 12 to 14 ounces. Uh, And then top it off with a little extra of the crushed ice, garnish it with a couple of wheels of lemon, or you can do a sprig of mint or other raspberries if you want, whatever you want. But it, it's, a, it's a really great, easy, refreshing cocktail, um, highlighting the flavors of peach, rosemary, pomegranate, and raspberry.
3: Sounds like a summer drink.
0: It is, for sure. It, it, and, you know, it's, uh, to me, it, it's one of those drinks that, like, you can sip on or, or, or by the pool. But I sometimes like a little consistency to my drinks. So I, I like to drink the drink, get the, the bit of the raspberry, chew on the ice. And um, it, it's kind of, a I don't know, maybe cathartic kind of drink. A, a, way to drink a drink but it's it keeps you cool for the summertime and when and when it's either really humid or really hot and we looks like we're gonna have a good one this weekend you weird people with your
1: crushed ice yeah
3: you love it although you used to bring in those weird ice cubes with your with your drinks i
1: just found out tyler and i have something in common I
2: hate crushed ice. ice? I don't don't have have a
1: problem with it. I just think it's weird when people love crushed ice.
3: Coconut water with crushed ice. You can't beat it.
2: No, it's awful. Crushed ice is terrible. It should go go straight to hell. None of that combination. (laughs) Crushed
1: ice should go to hell. None of that combination sounds good, Ed. Crushed ice and coconut water? Oh, it's beautiful. You don't like coconut water? I don't think so. That, I don't ice, remember. that
3: ice water coconut so flavor. Think of think
2: of think what I've if water was sweet?
1: I think I've had it. Yeah. Like
2: what if you just like took sugar, put it in water, yeah. and someone said, "Yeah, that's healthy for you." Kool-Aid? Even
1: though that doesn't. That sit. sounds like Kool Aid. Yeah. Is it Kool Aid? Is that what we're doing here with coconut water? All right, Jr. Starkus, our extreme <laughs> mixologist, Southern <laughs> Glazers Wine and Spirits. Jr. is always we appreciate. Yeah. You be- it.
3: By the way, you better start lifting if you're going to catch up to that kid with the picture you put on Twitter the other day.
0: Oh I man, it's crazy, right? Like I, I I can't keep up with him. That's that's it's insane how how big he's getting. So, he's doing well.
1: Thanks, buddy. Thanks, JR. Thanks, guys.
0: Take Appreciate care. Appreciate
1: it. All right, we got two tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan. August 31st, Luke Bryan at Resorts World. He's doing three shows here and we got tickets for the one on August 31st. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Luke Bryan, we'll say call the number 14 at 702-364-1100. Call now to win a pair of tickets to see Luke Bryan.
0: Offer expires 8 31 2022. Conversation with Tyreek Hill
3: and go to Hunter Renfro.
2: No, yeah, it's different.
3: Hunter Renfro, the sells me.
2: Yeah, no, they ain't no sell so
3: Hunter really liked that.
2: Turn the film on. You watch film, don't you? I know, but I'm just trying to be Devil's advocate because I just because nah, my he, man got to see he, nah, nah, he, he got to give him some credit, man. No, he, he really is. He's he
0: good, man. Right. Yeah. Like he got he got his deal this year, and I just and like I would actually talk about it all the time on TV. I did a breakdown of him. I was like, y'all got to stop going out there looking at it. no. Y'all got to stop looking at his head shot, looking at his body, and get out there and guard him. Guard yeah, him. He guard and him. guard him. You
2: heard it here first, people. Hunter Renfro. Fantasy football lovers, you got your sleep. But Renfro,
1: you're locked in the press box. He doesn't count as a sleeper in fantasy football. No. That would he's have like been a 5th wow, round like pick. Call, He had
3: 100 catches that last year. That would have been last year. He yeah. would have been a sleeper. Yeah.
1: He was 100 catches last year. What is he, one of three Raiders ever to have 100 catches yes, in a season? Exactly. <laughs>
3: I'm wondering if uh, Lincoln's right. And he kind of insinuated Hunter would get the most catches this year because of what the Patriots did with people like Edelman and others in the slot.
1: Might be true. I Might honestly be true. don't know. Like, we. I I don't have any idea because if you a, you can look back at what the Patriots did and kind of insinuate. Yeah. Is that fair to McDaniels? Is that not fair to McDaniels? Right. He has Derek Carr. Now he doesn't have Tom Brady, but if you look back at the Patriots, obviously they had a lot of success with the small white slot uh, receiver, which is what Hunter Renfro is. Obviously they had a lot of success with Rob Gronkowski at tight end. Can Darren Waller do some of that. And obviously the best year Tom Brady ever had Randy Moss. was with Randy Moss, which is what Devontae Adams is potentially. Now, Adams is um, uh, provides more than the deep I think threat. he's a more way more all-around receiver right. than Randy Moss was that year. But still, Devontae Adams can beat you 25, 35, 45 yards down the field right. and make a great play and have a 60-yard touchdown. So like you can you can go back in the Patriots with McDaniel's there and make an argument for all three Waller, Renfro, and Adams and be like, oh, this is why he's gonna because ha- he's Gronk or he's Welker or he's Moss. It's like, oh, I don't believe it's possible for all three to have that massive season. Right. I think at least one of them is gonna have an underperforming year. I'd lean towards it being Waller at the moment since he's not around, He's not in practice. Uh, But it's possible that Darren Waller and Renfro have monster years and Adams has a takes a big step back because he gets more attention or there's not enough time for Carr to really throw it down the field on a regular like you can argue against them, too. So I just I don't know. I think at the end of the day, the Raiders passing game is going to be good to great Mm -hmm. when Carr has time. And that's the, that's the that's big the, question mark. That's the question. Right, is how much time does Derek Carr have? If, he, if this offensive line holds up as a slightly below average offensive line in the NFL this year, the passing game is going to be spectacular. Right. If this is the worst offensive line in football, then they're in trouble. They might not have great seasons right. because Derek Carr is getting hit a lot and they're not able to run stuff down the field and it's, hey, Devonte adams catch it two yards down the field and make something happen which right. by the way he can do on a uh, better than most people in the nfl but if that's all he's doing it's going to be a down year so i i don't know how to basically gauge that And for fantasy football purposes i don't know how to like well
3: for fantasy football purposes this just then though he's not
1: asleep right R- renfro none of those three are sleepers no, not at sleepers. all even if i like i think renfro's gonna have maybe a slightly worse year than he did last year it still doesn't make him well, a sleeper. Well, because of Devontae. Right. It doesn't make him a sleeper because no. he broke out so he'll only have 90 season. catches. Right. He'll have 96 <laughs> catches next year. Uh-oh. Only 96. Um, all right. I wanted to end the show with something on baseball here for you. From Valdez set the Astros franchise record with 21 straight quality starts. Quality start is at least six innings pitched and three runs allowed or less. And if you play fantasy baseball it's a better thing to track than wins. <laughs> and because, he's a sleeper. Uh, he is a sleeper. Yes. Um, he seven innings, one earned two hits against the twins last night. Um, the MLB record for consecutive quality starts is Jacob deGrom. He had 26 uh, over the course of two seasons. So from Valdez needs five more to tie deGrom. He's not going to make five starts uh, the rest of the regular season. So this would have to carry into next year for him to get that. But 21 straight quality starts. Fromber Valdez has thrown, has 24 starts this year. 22 of them have been quality starts. Justin Verlander has the second most quality starts in baseball with 19 in 23 starts. So basically every time those two Basically, guys pitch, you're the best team. Yeah, I hope so.
3: Best starting pitching. I think that's. Did you see where the uh, Astros are at the Dodgers next year? Yes. Oh, by the way, let me ask you this. I actually love that schedule. Playing everybody, yeah, I think it's yeah. cool.
1: Oh, it's it's awesome. Should have been done a long time playing ago. Playing the Padres and the Rockies
3: nineteen yeah.
1: times. It's just like it's, so weird. it's just too much. So absurd, yeah. So Astros at Dodgers series starts the day after in my June, birthday, right? Yeah, series starts the day after my birthday. Will you go? Yes. Yeah, I will be there automatic. Yeah, Dodger dogs. Yeah, whatever. They're fine. <laughs> just are Just a hot dog. We've had not, this conversation. They are not overrated, unless that. Uh, um, Concession guy who got the vendor who got fired or whatever who, yeah. for throwing them. At people. Throwing them at people. If that guy throws one at me, <laughs> you're gonna think it's the yeah. best hot dog. I mean, I'll probably have one, but it's yes, like, you will. It's a normal hot dog. It's better. It's grilled. It's, it's a normal beautiful. hot dog. It's a nice grilled. I'm gonna go dog. back to the Diamondbacks where I can buy that dollar ninety nine hot dog that was great, terrific deal. I think the Dodger dog's more than one ninety nine. Like seven ninety nine for a hot dog, <laughs> and then I'm gonna put a straw through it and drink a beer out of it instead. But yes, I I plan to go. It'll be right after my birthday, so I'll yeah. somehow find a way. I to, go to all three.
3: They're playing the Yankees at Dodger Stadium. They're at Boston.
1: Yeah, I think it's awesome. You play everybody. Yeah. It's my great. only disappointment is they are they play the Padres in Houston. Okay. So and you of, can't of any it. of the Where West Coast the teams, Angels? well, they play. Well, they play their the their Angels division. anyway. So, yeah, yeah. You do you ever go to those games? Yeah. Uh we're going going Labor Day weekend to Ash. Oh, you're Rangers. already going. Yeah. Um, but it west coast teams to go watch play i'd prefer to go to san diego and watch the astros play the padres over diamondbacks dodgers angels oh yeah yeah better place yeah so unfortunately they only play the padres at home next year so that's too bad
3: will you wear your astro shirt in dodger stadium yeah i did uh
1: last year oh okay yeah, All right. when i went for one game so yeah i will
3: did you get booed
1: no because i told you i wore a blue one it was a blue astro shirt so it was i didn't quite stand up. so they were all confused yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like, oh, that's clearly an Astros fan. Next year, I think I'll wear an orange.
3: You'll wear the orange one,
1: yeah, I think so,
3: just to piss people off.
1: Well, yeah, and also it's been it'll have been six years at that point. Oh, they'll never forget that. They'll never forget that. I, mean, forget that. I just boring. don't want to be punched in the face walking through the concourse <laughs> with your Dodger dog. Yeah, uh, with yeah. your seven dollar Dodger dog. <laughs> I, will Dodger dog. <laughs> I will probably buy a Dodger dog. So yeah, you you should go. we we'll do a live show from Dodger Stadium. That would be great from yeah. the concourse. Yeah, although we're. It doesn't really work with the morning show. because like None of this works with the morning show. I'll, we're like at 7 a.m. from Dodger yeah, Stadium. Stadium. The game is in it 12 be, hours. There wouldn't even be hot dogs. It'd be, it'd be like a complete waste. There'd be a guy pushing a broom. Yes, yeah. exactly. We'd interview him. <laughs>
0: hey,
3: oh, listen, yeah, we, we need a
1: 9.30 spot. Come on over, Jimmy. <laughs> Welcome back, Ed. I'm yeah, glad you're great. back. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm glad training camp's over.